0: Cal Carpenter and I were talking the other day about prayer in our church and how there seems to be a groundswell of prayer coming from different, different areas, and everybody is, is talking about it, everybody is, is praying more, and, and anything we can do to encourage it, to facilitate it, and to do it, I think is going to be important to the future of our church, particularly in these crossroads that, that we're facing in the months ahead prayer is crucial. Um, And so I got to thinking about the passage in Acts 2 where people got together and prayed and what happened as a result of it. So the message this evening is when people pray, Acts 2, 42 through 47, several things occur directly related to prayer, and I think all of them are informative for us this evening and very important. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, and to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together, and had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods, and distributed them to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. But at the beginning, they devoted themselves to teaching, to fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayers. It's all crucial in the life of the early church and should be in any church. Let's pray. Father, help us to envision prayer and its importance and its focus as you see it. And rather than treating it as an appendage, beginning and ending a meeting or beginning and ending a sermon or uh, beginning and ending a day at home, help us to see how we can be in prayer all the time and walk closely with you. And that communion and that fellowship Never quenched. Open our hearts, Lord, to prayer and make us people of prayer, whatever it takes. In Jesus' name, amen. An officer approached General Stonewall Jackson with a complaint. He said the soldiers were making noise in the tents and he was unhappy about it, and Stonewall Jackson said, Well, what are they doing? And the officer said, "Well, they're praying, but they have been singing." And the general asked, "Is that a crime?" And the officer said, "Well, the articles of war order punishment for any unusual noise in a camp." And General Jackson said, "God forbid that praying should ever be an unusual noise in this camp." And God forbid that prayer should ever be an unusual noise in our church, or in our homes, in our business." in our personal life, our private lives, our public life. God forbid prayer would ever be an unusual noise anywhere in this country. It needs to be the practice of every believer and the behavior of every church. What would happen if people got together to pray and when, if prayer truly became a priority? I think we have an answer to that question in our text this evening. So I want us to look at this experience of the early church, and incidentally, studying the early church is a a great way to revitalize the life of any church, because if there's one factor in the key to the success of those early Christians, and just think, those early Christians, there's only a dozen of them, maybe a few more, if they hadn't done what they did, what would have happened to the Christian faith? But the fact that they did what they did, look where the faith is today throughout the book of acts this repetition in acts 114 all these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary the mother of Jesus and with his brothers and here in verse 42 they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers What happens when people pray and not just as an afterthought but as the focus of of a gathering of believers? I've got five things and to help you remember, they all begin with C. And the first thing is consecration. When God's people prayed, the result was consecration in Acts 2 verse 4. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Luke tells us what happens to these early Christians. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit because of their prayers. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because I hear a lot of churches, a lot of different denominations have different interpretations of the Holy Spirit. The New Testament as a whole has two main things that happen. First of all, when you give your heart to Jesus, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes to indwell in you the moment you give your life to Christ. That's the first thing. And the second thing is God wants the Holy Spirit to possess you fully and have you entirely. And that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It means that we are under his control, under his direction. In that case, we don't have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has us. And there's a difference. The Bible says these first disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were under the control, the direction, the The domination of the Holy Spirit. He had them. They were consecrated. They were sold out and devoted to the work and will of God. How did that happen? How did that come about? How did they come to be filled with the Holy Spirit? By continually devoting themselves to prayer. When God's people pray, our will is brought in line with God's will. Our spirit is more under the control of his spirit. And the result is a closer walk and deeper consecration with God. The second thing that happens is equally important in the early church, and that's the spirit of cooperation. Verse 44. All who believed were together, had all things in common. They were selling their property and possessions, sharing them with anyone as any had need. Cooperation. Now, we we agree that fellowship is important in a church, but how do you go about building fellowship? How do you become... As one mind with a congregation. Well, recreation helps, but you can play together and still not have fellowship. Working together helps, but you can work and still not have fellowship. Eating together helps, but you can eat together and still not have fellowship. Because to have fellowship with one another means to be of one mind and one heart. And how do you build that kind of fellowship in a church? There's only one answer I know of, to build fellowship in a church is to pray together. If you've ever been in a small prayer group, during a worship service, during a deacon's meeting, during a, some committee meeting, and y'all just stop and, and spend some time in prayer, there is a closeness, a unity, a, a linkage that forms cooperation. Because when God's people come together to pray, whether it be in groups of two or 200 or 500 or at church on Sunday or during the week when God's people come together to pray, they begin to share things and they begin to think together and act together and work together and be together. And it's not that one side wins over the other side because everybody is one over to God's side. For when we pray, we're conformed to the image of God and brought in line with his will. And the result is not only a deeper consecration and walk with God, it's also a deeper sense of cooperation with each other. So there's consecration with Him, there's cooperation with each other. And there's another fun thing that happens. It's celebration. In verse 46, Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they partook of food, how? with glad and generous hearts. They were happy. They had a good time to be together. How do you find happiness? How do you find joy? It comes when you are at peace with God and at peace with each other. And we've already talked about consecration and cooperation. That happens when you pray. There is a celebration, there is a happiness, there is a joy. These early disciples devoted themselves to prayer because of that they were consecrated and they learned to cooperate with each other and the result was a celebration of the joy that Jesus brought into their lives because when you are in union with God, when you are in harmony with each other, man, that brings joy and that brings happiness and that's what praying together makes possible a sense of celebration. The fourth thing that happens is confidence. Verse 4, I mean chapter 4, let's got to skip over a few verses. Verse 13, Peter and John are testifying before the high priest. And Luke says the rulers, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were, look, they were uneducated, they were common men, They wondered and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They saw the confidence of Peter and John. After the coming of the Holy Spirit, the disciples began to spread out. They moved out into the streets of Jerusalem. They began spreading the good news of Christ, and such a tumult was created that they were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin, the most powerful group of men in the city of Jerusalem. It was the Supreme Court in their land, and the Sanhedrin ordered the disciples to stop preaching their gospel. And look what Peter said in verse 19. I love this. Peter and John answered them, whether it, was, it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. Peter and John said, you know, you can tell us to stop, and whether or not it's right for us to do what we're doing is up to you. But as for us, we can't stop because we have to tell what we have seen and what we have heard. In verse 13, Luke tells us that they were uneducated, untrained men, And all the Sanhedrin were marveling at these these people that were ignorant and yet going out and preaching the gospel with power and with courage and with confidence, with boldness. They stood before men who were far superior, far more educated, and they did what they did with courage. And what was the basis for this boldness, this confidence? What was the reason for it? It had to be prayer because it said they all with one mind were continually devoting themselves to prayer. So if you are reluctant in your Christian witness, maybe you need to pray a little more. Maybe you need to spend a little more time with God, spend a little more time in his word. Because when you do that, you can't help but have some boldness and some confidence. And you can't do anything else but saying what you have seen and heard. As Peter and John did after spending time with the God who created the heavens and the earth the Sanhedrin to Peter and John were just small potatoes <laughs> but they were invigorated from being in the council of God and they were not intimidated by the lowly counsel of men they learned that if you please God it doesn't matter whom you displease and if you displease God it doesn't matter whom you please There's no more bold, confident, courageous person in all the world than a Christian who has been in fellowship with God through prayer. Because when people pray, one of the results is confidence like Peter and John had before the Sanhedrin. The final thing, you got consecration with God, cooperation with each other. Celebration, because there's joy when that kind of fellowship occurs. There is confidence when you've been with God and you can go out and speak with boldness what you have seen and heard and testify to that as his witness. The fifth thing is companionship. What happened when God's people prayed? The one ingredient that supported and fed all the others was that companionship, that relationship with Jesus. The last phrase of verse 14. All these with one accord devoted themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his disciples. And in verse four, chapter 4, verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they wondered, they marveled, But they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's companionship. When God's people pray, they enjoy the incomparable glory of companionship with the living Lord. And it shows. There is a glow about you when you've been talking to Jesus because he will shine through you in your words, in your actions, in your thoughts. A pastor visited an elderly man in Scotland who was very ill. And he sat down beside the bed, and he noticed the other chair drawn up to the other side of the bed. And the minister said, well, Donald, I see I'm I'm not your first visitor. And the old man looked surprised, and then realized the chair on the other side, And he said, let me tell you about that chair. Years ago, I had difficulty praying. And then one day I shared this with my pastor. And he said, don't worry about having to kneel down to pray. I've heard it said often that God is more interested in the attitude of your heart than he is the position of your body. Don't worry about kneeling to pray. Just sit down and put a chair opposite to you. And imagine Jesus is sitting in that chair and talk to him like you're talking to a friend. And the old Scottish man said, I've been doing that ever since. A few weeks later, the daughter of that sick man came to visit the minister. And he came to the door and she related to him how her father had died rather unexpectedly. She had no idea the end was near. She had... Gone one evening just to lie down for an hour or two because she'd been up the night before. She said, He seemed to be sleeping so comfortably. I thought he was fine. And when I went back in, he was dead. He hadn't moved since I left him, except that now his hand was on that empty chair that he kept beside his bed. Do you want that kind of companionship with Jesus? Do you want to live your Christian life with boldness and stop hiding in the shadows? Do you want to have the kind of joy that that heaven can flood your soul with? Do you want to experience the deepest kind of fellowship available to man on this side of heaven? And do you want to be consecrated to God's will? If so, then you should commit yourself to a daily time of prayer. For you know now that prayer was the secret to the spiritual spiritual power of those first disciples and the key to the success of the early church. Were it not for that, Christianity would have failed. But because of it, there is power available today in the name of Jesus if you'll just spend time in prayer. Let's do that right now. Bow with me. Father, we can talk about prayer and read books about prayer and hear lectures about prayer, but we will never really experience its power until we spend time with You ourselves. And that's the last thing in the world Satan wants. Because as long as we let busyness distract us and keep us from spending time with you, then we'll never have power. We'll never have joy. We'll never have cooperation or consecration or celebration or companionship. We'll never have any of those things like that first church did because they devoted themselves to the word, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship and to prayers. And look what happened as a result. And I believe that same thing can happen today, oh God, if we'll spend time with you, alone, with our families with a small group with our Sunday school class with our church family you are holding great things in store for us if we'll just pray who knows what glory might be unleashed for you and your kingdom and so whatever it takes Lord help us pray And give us a glimpse of the possibilities when we do so. In Jesus' name, amen.